Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today we're continuing our theme called Venom. Venom. Talking about healing and protecting and building a strong soul. Your inner man, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your imagination. Today's message is called Healing the Bitter Waters. And at the end of the message today, we're going to be receiving the Lord's Supper together. It's going to be an exciting time. And I pray that this moment will, that God will prepare your heart for what's coming. We're going to start with Exodus chapter 22 and work in John chapter 3. Exodus 15, this is right after the Red Sea is parted right after the people of God saw this tremendous miracle. And it says in verse 22, then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur, which is interesting because they were unsure. Thank you both. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Merah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against their leader, Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw that wood into the water, and then this made the water good to drink. It was there at Merah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make, and the word there in Hebrew means I will not allow or convey upon you that you would suffer any of the diseases that I sent allowed or conveyed upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God gives a covenant name that we know him by today and said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who mends you. I'm the Lord, your physician. And I'm the Lord that makes you whole. John chapter three, verse 14 says this. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up and everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real eternal life. And most of you know verse 16, this is from the message. This is how much God loved the world that he gave his own son, his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him, Anyone, somebody say anyone. Anyone Anyone can have a whole and lasting life for God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Remember that snake on the pole in the Old Testament came 
to set them free from a plague. The command was if you look upon that snake and see it on a pole. Today we see that where? We see it on ambulances. We see it on doctor's offices. We see it on medical practices. That snake on a pole. Because when we look to Jesus, we're healed. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart today? Lord, I can only bring what you gave me, but I ask you to put the power in it. Put your presence and power. We need your anointing today to destroy limitations and bondage. We need your anointing to lift heavy burdens. We need your anointing to communicate and to see your message confirmed with signs and wonders and miracles in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our theme this month is venom shaping and overcoming soul. Last week we said it's possible to be spiritually strong, yet suffer in your mind, your will, your emotions, and imagination. Your soul man, your inner man. You have to take care of your soul. We said there's too much venom in the world. Too much venom on the news. Too much venom sometimes at work. But I want you to know that the Bible says when you're going through pain and suffering, when the world is in trouble, if he is your shepherd, he restores your soul. He restores your soul. Our working definition of venom is any poison, a substance injected into humans for the purpose of neutralizing or paralyzing their God-given purpose and destiny. That's not just natural toxins, that's spiritual toxins. That's Next week we're going to talk about atmospheres, atmospheric toxins. Through the Holy Spirit, the anointing, you have power over the poisons and toxins of this world through faith. Heard somebody say the other day, and I, I wrote it down, the enemy only attacks what he's afraid of. They used to tell me when I, I played a lot, I had woods all around me growing up in Lake Mary, Florida, down near Orlando, and I played in the woods all the time, and my parents said, okay, when you go through the woods, make a lot of noise, stomp on the ground, because snakes are more afraid of you than you are of them. And the only reason they'll bite is if they're afraid. I want you to know, if you, are a, if you have been under attack lately, you're not alone. But if you've been under attack, it's because the enemy is afraid of what you'll do. In faith, when you stand and you fulfill your God-given purpose, the enemy only attacks what he's afraid of. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, look, see. I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability, the Amplified says, over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. That's the words of Jesus. Last week we said as, the, as Paul the apostle shook off the snake back into the fire at the end of the book of Acts, you have that same power to shake it off, to shake off every attack, shake off every lie, every demonic force, every weapon that's formed against you. You have to shake it off. Submit yourself to God. <clears throat> Resist the devil. And that devil has to flee. Amen. Today we're going to talk about the soul a little bit more. 
Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life is headed in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Right now, if you've been dreaming about something, your life is turning there. If you're entertaining it, I mean good or evil, if you're entertaining something in your mind or thoughts, the opportunities for good or evil will find you. If you're meditating, obsessing, we say, uh, what are you dwelling on? Quit dwelling on that, quit dwelling. The word dwelling is to live. We build foundations and we live sometimes by chewing words and images. If you're meditating, obsessing, dwelling on something, it will manifest in your life somewhere, somehow. That's why the Bible says, above all, guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. Words and images have power. That's why you gotta be so careful. We're constantly bombarded with lies and false images in the world. And focus affects feeling. You say, well, I feel this, I feel that, okay. But part of that feeling is because of what you've been focusing on. You're gonna be sensitive to God and desensitized to the world around you or you're gonna be sensitive to the world and desensitized to God. As a Christian, as a believer, it's your choice. About a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic started, I brought a series and a message called True-ish about the fact that it's the truth that you know, understand, and put into practice that sets you free. And the Lord gave me a scripture and I, it came up in my spirit again this week because I had not seen it before that time I was studying for that series. We all know 2 Corinthians 10, 4. If you don't know it, you should. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The word stronghold means a prison or castle of lies. Verse five from the Passion Translation says this, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. I love this, we capture, Paul writes, like prisoners of war, every thought, and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. You have power over the castle of lies. You have power over the prison or the castle of lies. You have power over strongholds. Strongholds can be out there in the second heaven, out there in the atmosphere, but strongholds try to get inside of you through your mind, through your eyes, through your mouth. The Bible says the mind must be renewed in the word and by the Holy Spirit. In the text today, only three days, <clears throat> pardon me, only three days after parting of the Red Sea. Think about that miracle. This was, this was something we go back to all the time. The world even talks about the parting of the Red Sea. They don't understand it. They wanna explain it away scientifically. But I'm telling you, 
This was one of the defining miracles of the Bible where God showed his people and he specifically allowed them to get hemmed in and pinned in a place where they could only get through by God showing up. And when that Red Sea parted, they went through on dry ground and when the Egyptians chased them, the Bible says that God pulled back his breath that had stacked up the waters and the waters came in and destroyed all of their captors, all of their slave owners, all of those that had kept them bound for 400 years. And they saw those bodies wash up on the shore and they celebrated God. And you think, man, if I saw that, I would never doubt God again. The problem is every time the children of Israel got under pressure, listen to me, every time they got under pressure, what was working in them manifested in their attitude and out of the words of their mouth. They already tried to turn back after the first three-day adventure. When they found themselves at the Red Sea, they said, oh, what'd you bring us out here for, Moses? We had perfectly good graves we could have had back in Egypt. Now we're gonna be out here and we're gonna get buried in this desert? They automatically kept reverting back to darkness and deception. And now here they are, another three days journey. After the parting of the Red Sea and the total annihilation of the Egyptian enemies, the children of Israel went through their next test in three days. And God defines it himself as the faithfulness test. This is the faithfulness test. How are you gonna respond when you're thirsty? How are you gonna respond? You just saw God control water. You just saw God do the biggest miracle, one of the biggest miracles in history. The faithfulness test always reveals what's working inside of you. They needed water and they were thirsty. You know, you can survive about three weeks without food. You can survive only three or four days without sleep before you start having hallucinations. You can survive only five or 10 minutes without oxygen. Interestingly enough, you can only survive about three days without water. So these people were not only thirsty, they were tired, they were hot, they were in a desert, they were trying to move forward, and they found themselves thirsty in the desert of Shur. I know what you're saying, sure they were. But the word sure in the Hebrew is an interesting word because it means wall. They found themselves in a desert called wall and they hit that desert wall hard. One commentary said this interpretation has it that it was not, this was not punishment when they got to the waters of Merah that it was bitter, but it was cause and effect. The writer says the undrinkable waters of Merah reflected the spiritual state of the people. They had run empty on meaning. They were spiritually void and thirsty and therefore they were bitter. That was the cause. The effect was that the water was undrinkable. 
It left their thirst unquenched. For it wasn't just physical hydration they were after. It was their souls crying out for nourishment. My friends, when your insides are bitter, everything you eat and drink will be bitter too. It's interesting that the virus has taken away or contaminated the senses of taste and smell in many. Some were sick a few months ago and still don't have their taste back. I think we often take those senses for granted. I think taste is underrated. I think of that commercial with the Febreze where they take people blindfolded into a garbage pit or an old beat up house. They put Febreze all around them. They say, where are you? They go, I'm in a garden. And you see trash sitting there on the ground. Take off your mask. Oh, where am I? God's given you this taste, the sense of taste and the sense of smell for a reason. The bitter waters of Merah. I think it's right. I think you, you see, you begin to experience a reflection of what you are every time you're under pressure. In their frustration, the people turn against Moses. And he cried out to God. Their pressure put him under pressure. But instead of complaining and murmuring like they were, he turned to God and said, God, help me. What do I do? Verse 25, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water and this made the water good to drink. Made it taste like Zephyr Hill spring water. Was this a magical piece of wood? No. Were they barking up the wrong tree? No. What's the wood? And this is what part of when God started showing me is I just, what's the wood? What does that mean? God showed him a piece of wood and he threw it in the water and the water suddenly wasn't bitter anymore. And I sought the Lord for about a day or two before I got the answer. What kind of wood can turn bitter water sweet? And I tell you, I feel like God just opened it up in my spirit. That wood foreshadows the cross and the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, our only hope. Galatians 3.13 from the message says, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, he became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. The only wood that can heal your soul is the wood of Calvary. The only wood that levels the playing field 
that can turn bitter waters and make them sweet. is from Calvary. Physical and emotional healing are clearly included in the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross. How do we know? Because in the passage of Merah, in the healing of the bitter waters, God said, if you'll just listen to me, I will reveal myself to you and I'm not gonna let all that junk that, was, that gets on the people that don't know me, that gets on the people who are disconnected from me, I'm not gonna let that be on you because I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. What, in what way did Jesus show that or do we see that in the word? When Jesus went to the cross by his stripes, we are healed. He is the fulfillment of that passage in Exodus. Jesus is that fulfillment. Nicky Gumbel says the word atonement is at one I love that. At one with Christ. And the Bible says in the same way Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. The same way. You want to see the answer for medical problems? It's in Jesus. Those Old Testament folks were dying in the middle of a plague until God said, look at this. Moses put a snake on a pole and let the people look at it. They need something to see they need an object for their faith. They need to have an expectation in their hearts. He said, see the serpent, the venom, powerless on a pole. Your sin and your sickness and the poison of your soul crucified. And lift up the eyes of your heart to see Jesus the sacrificial lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. We know John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not die but have everlasting life. But leading up to that is that snake on a pole passage. The wood that heals the wood that can change your insides. You say, how do I forgive somebody that deserves punishment? How do I forgive somebody that doesn't deserve forgiveness? Aren't I condoning what they've done to me? Maybe you were abused, beaten, lied about. Falsely accused. The problem is, unforgiveness tries to work in your life like a poison. T.D. Jakes always used to say this. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison 
expecting the other person to die. It only pollutes you. It only holds you back. And where are we reminded of that? The cross. The cross is the place where we realize that we forgive because he forgave us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That when we were still a mess, we weren't looking for him. He was looking for us. We weren't, we weren't good. We weren't good enough. We weren't worthy of saving. When we were far from him, even the enemies of God, he loved us. In the same way the Bible says, forgive others. When you stand praying, forgive. Because he forgave you when you didn't deserve it. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says so clearly that you can't come to the table of the Lord if you're messed up. Not, not that you have to be perfect, but if you're messed up with unforgiveness, if you have a bitter soul and you've chosen to carry it, yes. to retain it, to hold on to the grudge, yes. the Bible says don't take of the table. Yes. What's our takeaway today? Whatever issues of the soul you don't deal with in a healthy way will try to manifest in an unhealthy way. You have the choice. You have the choice. <clears throat> you can either get bitter or you can get better. Through Jesus Christ, you have a choice. It's time to get your heart right with God. It's time to trust Him fully. Not just with your life, but with your emotions, with your feelings with the situations that you hang on to, the injustices. You think God doesn't care about injustice? But either you hold it or he holds it. You can't both have it, have it both ways. You gotta release it. The Bible says casting all your care upon him <clears throat> for he cares for you. Choose to release the bitterness as we prepare our hearts to participate in the Lord's Supper. We call communion. Should you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? I just want to pray before we continue on. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. Some people misunderstand love. Love manifests as a feeling, but love is not a feeling. The essence of love is not a feeling. Especially the God kind of love, agape. The God kind of love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision. That's why we celebrate people like the Nalties, 40 years of marriage. If you talk to Ray and Annette, you'll find out they've been through some stuff. They've not, they're not 
together 40 years because they had an easy life. They're not together 40 years because they gave their hearts to Jesus and nothing else bad ever happened to them again. That's, that's, a, that's not true. See, that's what some people, they fill their lives with pipe dreams and smoke screens. That's not true. What is true is that we have a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains cast in the sea, we will trust in God. No matter what's happening to us, in us, or around us. Paul dealt with division in Corinth. I'll talk about the scripture in a moment. But right now where you are, are you at one with Jesus? Have you entered into his atonement? Because if you're bitter today, if you keep finding bitterness come out of your heart, Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If every time you get under pressure, venom comes out of your mouth, then venom is working inside of your heart. And the Bible says you have power over it. And the first power you have over it is to repent and resist it. If you're here today and you're holding something against somebody else, thinking that that makes you feel better, you miss the mark. Some of you need to to release an X. You need to forgive and release the past. Some of you in this room, you need, and those of you watching, you need to forgive and release yourself because you just beat yourself up for mistakes and sin. That doesn't do anything except continue to tear you down. Turn your eyes upon Jesus today. Father, I pray for every person that's watching, every person in this room that's listening. I pray for healing of the bitter waters I pray that if they found themselves at Merah this week or this month or this year, if they found themselves under pressure and finding this bitterness of soul, Father, would you bring healing inside of all of us? Today, I choose, we choose to forgive those who have wronged us, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who despitefully have used us. We, We bless you, Father, because you're faithful. We cast all of our care upon you and we release. If you're in this room today, I plead with you by the blood of Jesus. We're throwing that wood, that symbol 
of Calvary's tree. We're throwing it today as a lifeline into the bitter waters of your own life. For he's the Lord that heals. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate what's called open communion here. That means you don't have to be a member here to participate, but you do need to be saved. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, that's the getting on place. That's the initial start. That's not the be all end all. That's the, listen, praying, is, praying the sinner's prayer is the beginning, not the end. It's a start of a relationship and I invite you right now to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, to give him your heart. He'll take any space that you'll open up to him. In 1 Corinthians 11, the whole chapter just about is, uh, deals with a couple of different subjects. It culminates in the celebration of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. But it begins with Paul writing, I keep hearing about divisions and factions among you. When Paul the Apostle planted the church in Corinth, in, in modern day Greece, <clears throat> when he planted that church, he stayed there a couple years, but then he put in a, a guy named Apollos to become the pastor when he was gone. By the time he's writing 1 Corinthians, people have said, well, we love Apollos better. And others say, well, we liked Paul better. We don't like Apollos. And there was all this stuff going on about the transition of pastoral government. It was ridiculous. And Paul writes about it. He says, let me go over the Lord's Supper again with you. And he says this, you are reenacting Jesus' words from his last supper until he comes. Until he comes. It's a commemoration that Jesus is coming. And in verse 27, it says this, anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on Jesus at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you wanna be part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in holy awe. I believe God is saying that they lost the fear of the Lord and we need to regain the fear of the Lord in our generation. Ushers, would you come right now and just get those elements out? We have these nice little secure sanitary packs right here for you of the representations of the body and the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Parents, if you have your kids with you, you determine at what age that they're ready, that you believe that they have a relationship with Jesus for real. And we invite you to participate and help your kids as well to participate in this. The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is pure. I love that we can be friends with God, but we're not just friends with God. He is holy. 
He is righteous. He's perfect. He's pure. And He is true. The night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread. He had his most intimate disciples around him at the table. And he took the bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and then he gave it out to them. And he said, this bread is my body. This bread is being broken for you. Would you lift up that bread right now? Hopefully those of you have had time at home to get elements as well. We want to include you too. Just say this out loud with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for the cross that you paid the price for my sin, for my failure, for my fear, for my broken life. You were broken for me. I thank you for your body. Today I remember you and commemorate this moment. You're holy, you're pure, you're true, and I worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Partake of that bread right now. By his stripes, we are healed. We were healed 2,000 years ago legally. Today we believe for manifestation of that healing. And get the other side ready. Saint night he took the cup of the red wine, the fruit of the vine. He said, this is my blood shed for you. When you come to, to, together to gather, remember me in my blood. My friends, the blood of Jesus is so powerful that the enemy has no legal right to cross the bloodline. <clears throat> the, old, the old saints, the old Pentecostals used to declare the blood of Jesus much more than we do today. And I think we need to get some of that back. That when we speak about the blood, when we declare it, the Bible says we sprinkle it afresh upon our lives, upon our homes, upon our families. And we declare that in this bloodline, around this is a hedge of God's love, God's protection, His mercy and His grace. Would you lift that cup in your hand? Just say this with me out loud. Just say, Jesus, thank you for your perfect blood sinless blood shed for me that you give me your life and I give you mine. I ask you now that this blood would become a protective hedge around me and my household, around my job, around every area where I go, around my school. Your blood is the protection over my life and I trust you
in Jesus' name, partake my faith. disappointments of the past. The grief. Sing it now. There is freedom in the blood of Jesus. There's such freedom. Freedom in the blood of Jesus. Oh, there is freedom in the blood of Jesus. It washes white as I feel like somebody got a breakthrough today. I just sense in my heart that somebody has had that stone, that blockage rolled away in your life today to start fresh. Amen? Amen. If you got something today, would you put your hands together and just bless the Lord, honor Him. Honor him for his word. Amen. A little different today, I know. Take communion together like that. But I'm telling you, it is the blood that still sets us free. It's the blood that still washes. It's the blood that still reminds the devil he doesn't have your life. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.